Today, I'm talking to Sharon Michi, the owner of Cottages to Castles of Sanibel and Captiva. When Hurricane Ian was headed to Florida in September of last year, her emergency hurricane plan kicked in, but no one could have imagined the devastation that Ian would bring to the communities and businesses on the islands, as well as Fort Myers Beach. In this episode, Sharon shares her story of that day and the months of recovery since to build back a business that has been a staple on the island for 40 years. This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and as ever, I am super delighted to be back with you once again. We talked recently to Tom Goodwin of Mountain Laurel Chalets in Gatlinburg, and he was telling a story of the wildfires that decimated the Gatlinburg area in, I believe it was 2017. And the loss was just massive. The loss for businesses and communities and personal lives. It was just horrendous. And we we didn't actually dwell too much on that. We were talking more about how Tom has made such a fantastic success of the family business. But in that episode, I'd mentioned that uh, another guest that we've had on the podcast a couple of times, and that's Sharon Michi from Cottages to Castles of Captiva and Sanibel, had gone through similar experience in 2022 with Hurricane Ian. And it was on September the 30th, 2022, when thousands of lives were changed forever when that hurricane made landfall in Florida. It was the deadliest hurricane to strike the state of Florida since 1935 and the strongest to make landfall since Michael decimated the Mexico beach area in 2018. I'm sure you remember that one. And I'm also sure that we all watched this unfold on CNN and other news networks. And while the city of Fort Myers and Cape Coral and Naples were particularly hard hit, leaving millions without power, the islands, Sanibel Island, Fort Myers Beach and Pine Island bore the brunt of Ian's powerful winds and the storm surge, which leveled nearly all standing structures and also collapsed the Sanibel Causeway and the bridge to Pine Island, entrapping those left on the islands for several days. As with most natural disasters, once the event itself is over and the breaking news moves on to the next drama, we tend to forget what happens in the aftermath. We forget the communities that have to recover, the rebuilding of homes and livelihoods, and the repercussions for every type of business and how they all deal with the massive losses and personal grief. So Sharon Michi of Cottages to Castles of Sanibel Island and Captiva was there. She was there on the day of the hurricane. She was there to follow up in the immediate aftermath and has been there 
on the islands and within the community for the last nine months, aiding in the wider recovery process as well as helping her business to recover. A business that was started by her mother back in 1983, so around 40 years that company has been on the islands. So there was no way that Sharon was going to let this go. So without further ado, let's move right on over to my interview with Sharon. So I'm so happy to have back with me once again for the third time, Sharon Mitchie from Cottages to Castles of Sanibel and Captiva. Sharon, welcome. It's always a pleasure to see you. You as well, many thanks. Hopefully the third time's a charm. <laughs> well, I look back on the two other podcasts we did and and actually they were both about issues and disasters. You know, one of them, we, we talked about how you handle problems and issues within the company. And, and then the next time we talked about COVID <laughs> and then of course the hurricane. So I, as I mentioned in the introduction, it was a completely devastating experience for everybody in the area. I think everybody who's listening watched it unfold and you are still here. You're rebuilding your company now and helping your community to rebuild as well. So I'd love to spend this time we have together talking about how this all panned out and how, how you approached the recovery and where you are now. So, so let's just recap on cottages to castles of Sanibel and Captiva before the hurricane. How many properties did you have and a little bit of the history behind it? I'm a boutique agency and family owned. So I'm 40 units, never been larger than 50 ever in over 30 years of doing business on the islands. Mother started in the business out here in 1981, 82. And uh, we opened up Cottages to Castles in 1997. And we specialize in high end and boutique properties. So the original concierge services, we your word doyen that you had brought up a few months ago, we had always called ourselves the doyens of domesticity and disasters. So, <laughs> so that's what we specialized in. So, so the word is, is known out here on the island. So, um, but yeah, we've been at it for 30 years and I've been on my own um, for the past uh, seven, eight years now. So since my mother passed away, so I'm still a very small company and still very hands-on and specialized. Well, in the previous episodes that we recorded, you're super successful lots of returning guests and it's, it's a very popular place that the islands are very popular i actually hadn't heard about them until we we first started talking i've done lots of research since then and can't wait to come but when the hurricane came in how many people did you actually have in properties um i was probably about 40 percent because september is our low 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 season mm -hmm. so i only had maybe a dozen families total Okay. And, and what, what did you actually expect? You know, it's, it's hurricane season, September, the end of September, sort of right in the middle of it. When this first came up, what did you expect from the forecast and how did you put your plan into action at that time? This would have been my fourth or fifth hurricane. And our most recent category four was in 2004. And we were a direct hit for that. It was a smaller storm though, and faster. So, um, so we have a, a hurricane playbook we call it our rodeo book. So we work in teams. So we now embrace technology. So it's a lot easier. So we 
we implemented our breezeway and our email, and we also still pick up the phone and we stop by and make visits. So one of us makes the phone calls and does the direct messaging saying, we're watching a system out in the Gulf, da, 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 da. We provide flashlights in all of the properties. So, you know, it was left on your counter. Please locate your, your flashlight. If you need supplies, if you need anything, please let us know. We'll bring you water, this or that, in anticipation of a tropical storm, mm-hmm. which people can actually stay. And it's just a, a wind and rain event, not a big deal. So we start communicating with guests that way. And then we reach out to our guests that are due to arrive to tell them we're watching a system. Stay put. Don't call us. We'll call you. And we'll keep you posted. And then we include the message that if you have travel insurance, don't fret. So we will do the heavy lifting for you. But please don't call us. We'll call you. Tune into our Facebook page for the most recent news. Instagram is our happy place, so we don't post notifications there. And Twitter. So Twitter is where we would post anything for uh, to watch specific weather channels, weather people, that sort of thing. But Facebook is where we do the real-time updates. So that way people can... Mm-hmm. not worry about their reservation. We put the emphasis on we're going to be out closing up our properties and giving our properties the highest and best chance of surviving an event, whether it's a tropical storm or hurricane, so that we can hit the ground running and, and get back to business. So when, when did you realize that this was, was going to be way more of a major storm than was originally thought? Four days out, we began closing properties that we had people in or had not yet been closed. So our rule of thumb is if a property is vacant longer than two weeks, we pre-close it during hurricane season. Mm -hmm. So the water heaters are turned off, water is turned off, outdoor furniture is brought inside. So it's prepped. So really there's very little that we actually have to do for that. So it was four days out and we knew we were going to at least get wind if it was going to go north of us to Tampa. So we began with the homes with the highest degree of difficulty, the three-story homes and the homes that aren't storm ready and resilient, that don't have impact windows and doors or have challenging landscape Mm -hmm. and furniture and fixtures outside. So we started four days in advance with that and messaged all of our guests and residents to make a tentative reservation over in Florida, as we call the mainland. So if they didn't want to go ahead and leave, make a reservation now because they're not going to be able to get one. And then we emphasize that, you know, if they don't have a 10-day kit provisions, then it's probably best they go home. So um, by two days out, it was still uncertain, but the, the storm was tracking and wobbling a little more east each time, each every four hours for the updated weather forecast. And it was basically following the path of Hurricane Charlie from 2004. And that wobbled at the very last minute. And so people were frantic trying to get out. We, we had just a few hours notice for that. So I could see that. And I would rather err on the side of caution. So we started four days out. And then by two days out, we had a couple of holdouts for guests that weren't wanting to go because they didn't have travel insurance or they were international travelers and they had just gotten here and still had a month on their stay. So we sent our crews over to begin closing up those properties anyway. It's like, you, you're going to have to go. So sorry, this is going to block your view <laughs> and your house is going to be a little crowded and tight, but you have to go. So by two days out, we knew we were at least going to get the fringe and it was going to be unpleasant and uncomfortable. And then all hell broke loose. Yes. Um, we did not receive a timely notification from our county 
regarding the mandatory evacuations. So we can get guests out as non-residents. We can say you cannot stay because you are not a resident. So we didn't get the notification until less than 24 hours before the storm hit. There was a delay. So 1,070 people stayed on the island, whereas with Hurricane Charlie, it was just about 100. Mm-hmm. So, so what about your guests? Because I understand that one of them was particularly reluctant to depart. Yes, one had just gotten here, uh, international traveler, did not want to leave. He had sent our crews away twice, in fact, that had come over to close up the property because he didn't want his view blocked. So that was challenging. We had two other guests in little beachfront bungalows, and they didn't want to leave, but they did have a plan B. Had those guests stayed, they would have died because those properties are gone. There is nothing there, and they are concrete bunkers, but they would have washed away. The guest at the house, it got to the point where we were calling and texting, and we said we were going to have to involve law enforcement at that point to have him removed, which we can do with transient leases, with transient guests. So they left abruptly, and it was probably four, it was just after five o'clock. It was just after five o'clock because I remember we got the notification on our uh, Point Central locks that he used his code and locked the door. Mm -hmm. So we sent the crews back over, and I went over to try to secure, further secure the owner's boat on her lift and, uh, and to assist the, the crew with getting the armor screen up. The house has impact windows and doors, but the armor screen helps with other areas of the house. And at that point, the wind is blowing. It's raining sideways. It's not great. And we got the house secure. So I left, and I live at the opposite end of the island. And so I got to the entrance to Sanibel and uh, to head up to my house, which is still a 20-minute drive, and the fire trucks were leaving. And so if the fire trucks are leaving, that means they are closing our only road to the island, which means I either have to go now or I don't go at all. So I had my bags packed, everything packed at my house and my things at my office packed, ready to go because I started this process a week before Mm -hmm. I was ready to go. So I had the bare bones minimum in my car. I had my Starlink satellite and I had my laptop and just a few things, you know, just a few basic things from the office. Um, and that was it. So I, I left. So I left with nothing. I didn't have my hurricane passes, didn't have my passport, didn't have anything with me, clothing, my, my supplies, nothing. And where did you go? Uh, went to a friend's home in Fort Myers that used to work out here on the island. And she has a whole house generator. So went over there. I was fairly close to the airport and uh, set up the Starlink there. And pretty soon, internet was out, power was out, so we were able to hum along nicely, and I was able to be online and live in real time, communicating with my owners and with my guests, and I was able to use my phone because of my my internet connection. So the whole county, 800,000 people, no one had internet or cell service, and I was at least able to communicate outside. I couldn't track where my team was and how they were doing, or friends and neighbors, but at least people knew I was okay and I was able to get the word out as to what was going on. That must have been the toughest 24 hours that you've had for... Uh, 48. 48. 48. And cell service didn't come back for months, by the way. Mm -hmm. So it was a good week to 10 days before I found most of my people, most of my tribe. Goodness me. So 
that um, you say so it was a week or ten days before you found the people. I, I know we look at these things on TV all the time. We look at devastation from earthquakes, from wildfires, from hurricanes, and and it's it's so different because we're sat back in our couches and you know our our, our grounds are all landscaped and our houses in one piece. It's very hard to imagine how just hard to comprehend how you start the recovery of that type of devastation. You're the only person I know that has, has really been through something like this and, and has been at there at the start. So where do you go? I mean, you said, you said to start with, you've got your tribe, you've found your people. Mm. What happens next? Well, my goal was to come back onto the island. The causeway was washed out, so there was no way to get on the island. So law enforcement, city officials, emergency responders, structural safety inspectors, there's no way on the island. I had two neighbors that stayed, one in a resilient home, one not so much. Home is fine, but it's not a newer home. Mm -hmm. So I was able to make contact with them and another friend on the mainland. And my mainland friend had a boat, they had pulled their boat. And I contacted uh, an owner in my rental program that had a home on the mainland and she had a private boat ramp. And Uh, Federal officials had taken over all public boat ramps and private boat ramps at that time. This one, they had not. Mm -hmm. So we were able to launch the boat with three other friends so that we could slowly head out to the island through all the debris in the water uh, so we could sight basically somebody on the bow, port, starboard, at the stern, navigating so, um, so we could guide ourselves out dropped my two friends off at their home, which is a newer home. So it was fine. It had flooded underneath um, and they have two boats and their boats were intact. They had strapped them to their lifts. So now we've got access to two more Mm -hmm. boats with that. So we left them to secure their home and do what they needed to do now that they'd seen their place. And so we worked our way out towards my house. Again, there's a little ramp near where they were landing all the helicopters on the island. So the footage that you see where they're landing them on the golf course, that's near to my home. And that's a very, very difficult area to navigate by boat. So we knew they weren't going to be trying to use that ramp, that you really have to know what you're doing to get into the skinny water back there. So we had a bike on the boat and I managed to climbed through a person's house that used to be on the other side of the bayou and was now on by the ramp and got on my bike, rode to my house, was able to get inside and grab my things. And obviously the state of the island changed things. So I didn't need my, my gear bags and all my provisions. It's like, nope, those will stay here. But now I need a full-size tube of toothpaste. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't need the sample size to last me a few days. And I had had sewage come into my house. So um, so basically started pulling rugs and things out, opening up the windows, garage door, went to my neighbors, told them I was here, gave them my other Starlink that I had from the office. That was the one I had in my car. So I had mine at my house. So I gave them my Starlink from my house, actually, so they could communicate because they were climbing up to the third floor of their home, sitting in a beach chair on the roof to just send out text messages around one in the morning when you could get a signal. So I had about 30 minutes on the ground to do what I needed to do, get my hurricane passes, my passport, basics, and bike back, and then get on the boat and try and work our way out of there because it was getting dark early. So I didn't tell anybody and make an announcement that I was going. It was just, I need to get 
my basic things so that when they reopen, I can get back to the island. So at that point, the next thing we needed to do was secure long-term housing for me and my employee and, and friends and putting the feelers out so that we could find homes for everybody because we knew we weren't going to be coming back. They had said it would be up to a year. So that was the next major goal was to do that um, and track everybody down that stayed, were people okay or not. So we started our little network and and then had a common meeting place where the city officials were meeting at one of the hotels in town. What so about your we office? we would all congregate there. What about your office? Um, office I didn't go to for probably about a week. I had eyes on the office. There was a family that had left a family of tortoises behind or that, that they had stayed and the tortoises washed away and they were featured on the CBS Sunday morning news. One of the turtles was at my office three miles away. And so the, the turtle was photographed and it was in front of my building. So just, you know, you could see satellite imagery looking down, but that didn't mean your building wasn't collapsed flat on the ground. So I had eyes on the building. I already knew that I had at least eight feet of water based on city uh, cameras that were adjacent to my property. So I knew I had eight feet at least. So I knew the inside was going to be a total loss, but it was a concrete building with impact windows and doors and a metal roof. So, um, so I had gotten word and pictures were sent to me. So I didn't need to rush to the office. There's nothing there for me to see at the moment. So, and then at that point I started coordinating boat rides with my neighbor because they were bringing people over for contractors so that they could start remediating. And so since my neighbor has a boat and it can run in that kind of water, I would come back and I would stay three or four days at a time and ride my bike. My bikes all survived, lucky me, along with my e-bike. And I set up, I had solar inverter generators, solar panels, all of that. So I had light and I had my internet, I had my computer, I had my grill. So I was way better off than a lot of other people. So I was able to function without gasoline, without gas for generators. So I would bring gas with me for my neighbors, for their generators and ice cold milk. And, uh, <laughs> and then in exchange, they'd give me boat rides because boat rides were averaging anywhere from a hundred to $500. I can imagine yeah. each way. So it was an expensive proposition for people and people were desperate to see their properties. So yeah, that brings me to your, to your owners. No doubt they were trying to connect with you as you were the, you're, you're their boots on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I hijacked a golf cart that was gas powered. <laughs> so there's a club near my home and they have gas powered golf carts. And since we were at the highest part of the Island, we were relatively dry. Some areas had six feet, some had three feet, you know, most areas had 10 to 12 feet. So I was able to get my hands on a golf cart and, uh, my neighbor also had a gas powered golf cart. So I was able to move much faster then on my bike mm -hmm. to cover the whole island. So I sent an email to all of the owners, you know, I will be going to the properties, you know, so, but some are challenging, you know, there's knee deep mud, so you can't take a golf cart. So you've got to have walking sticks or beach umbrella parts, the, the bases of beach umbrellas to use as walking sticks, <sighs> you know, to try to get to a house and to climb over debris and through debris or to a condo that you can't get up the stairwells because they're full of cinder blocks and paddle boards and sunscreen and whatever. So, so I was able to get to all of the properties in two days and um, took a friend of mine who's a locksmith with me as well. So he was on the island and I'm like, come along. So we were able to pick some locks and, 
and get into some properties and sledgehammer down a few doors and that sort of thing to get in and get some basic pictures, had a marker with me, drew a line on the wall with me standing mm-hmm. next to it to show where the water line was and uh, would send that information out to the owners. And you know, going back to the basics of your business, so you've, you've got the owners on the one hand who are, I'm assuming, just, just concerned about the state of their properties, but you've also got no doubt a slew of guests on the other hand who are booked and and to them all they're concerned about mostly is their vacation how do you mm-hmm. handle that again we make it very one-sided so we sent lots of emails i updated everybody every day what i was doing and i made the decision immediately within 24 hours that we would be issuing full refunds i'm not going to hold on to people's deposits i'm not going to give you the opportunity to rebook a future date You'll get first dibs on your same dates whenever we reopen, but I'm sending everybody your money back. Please don't dispute your charges. Don't make life harder for us. We're just sending everything back. I need to get a pen first, and then I need a printer. And no, you can't just Amazon a printer because Amazon isn't delivering for weeks. You know, so to the mainland, there was no power. You know, so. Um, so everybody was really supportive. The guests were very, very supportive. We just said, you know, just be patient. We have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. And it was going to be a very uncomfortable ride going forward. So I issued refunds within a week. So I came back and stayed up till two in the morning. And then I'd get up at five, get my provisions together, get on a boat, go back to the island, stay the day, come back, start the process all over again. Owners, we had emailed them when we knew the storm was going to hit. Um, we had asked everybody to get all their insurance policies together and go ahead and file a claim preemptively before the storm so that you get a claim number in advance. So owners did that and that we would be providing guidance to them on how to proceed with insurance and cancellations and how we handle that to make it advantageous to them with their taxes. Mm-hmm. So um, that we weren't going to be canceling reservations. We were issuing refunds. That way owner, the owners could take a tax credit. Right. So, um, so it was very one-sided communication of this is what we are doing. And, you know, if you want to do anything to help me, write me a favorable Google review. <laughs> yes. Do that. Exactly. That would be great. That's helpful. Keep our little business going online until you can return. And uh, so the main thing was to just keep the flow of information going out, which because of my situation with internet, I was able to do that. Mm -hmm. So um, it was difficult for other businesses on the island to do that at all. So people were very, very gracious and very kind. And uh, that goes a long way. So, So how about your guest who didn't want to leave? Did you hear back from him? I'm still hearing back. Yes, I'm still hearing back regarding you know, security deposit refund. And, you know, the property sustained damage as a result of him, not as a result of those people not departing in a timely manner and um, damages that would have been avoided. Oh, right. Totally would have been avoided because of steps that they took on their own, trying to be helpful, which were not helpful. Mm -hmm. And then the cost of returning their items to them that they left behind. So, um, you know, so the deposit did not go back. That's the only deposit that did not go back. And, you know, so I'm hearing from barristers and this and that. And, you know, it is what it is. And here's the photos. Here's the communiques that we sent. 
you know, so it is what it is. And, you know, in this case, you know, you endangered our lives and the owner's property sustained damage that it would not have sustained had you left in a timely manner and our crew's not been sent away four days prior. Yes, that, that is, it's not surprising to hear that, that that would occur, but it's shocking nonetheless. Yeah. I did have some guests that, um, filed a false insurance claim. So I had an insurance company contact me about the personal effects that were left behind at a property. And I was confused at first. I'm like, hmm, I don't recall that at all. I'm like, they didn't leave anything behind. And they're like, well, how do you know? And I said, because they were a, a couple that left late as well. And we got the notification from Point Central that they had left. So we went over there to secure the property. And it's a small property. So we brought the grill in, secured the outdoor shower, and we emptied the refrigerator and freezer. There was a pack of frozen shrimp bait, a can of natural light, and a frozen like margarita pouch. So we took that over to the community trash. And that's it. And then we did a video for the owner, which we do all the time. So when we're doing a last minute closure like that, we did a video. So they did not leave any clothing or any personal effects or anything behind. So, um, so I sent an email to them saying, you know, received an odd phone call about items left behind. And they said, well, how do you know we didn't leave anything? And I said, because we went there and I have the video. So they went quiet after that. Oh, I'm sure they did. <laughs> so there are, op- there are opportunists, <laughs> even in a oh, disaster. <laughs> of, of course, of course there are. So here we are, eight months, eight and a half months in. How would you rate the recovery? I mean, you, you call it Repairadise, which, which I love. That is the title of this episode, uh, is the journey to Repairadise. Um, yeah. So where are you now after all these months? And, and were there any you know, highlights and lowlights? I mean, obviously, there were highlights and lowlights in the last eight months. But what comes to mind? Well, the little things, uh, obviously, being able to drive over the causeway for the first time, slow and bumpy, on dirt, but uh, that was amazing. But the main thing was reconnecting with people and people that we're still seeing for the first time mm-hmm. that we haven't seen because a lot of our friends and neighbors have nothing to return to. There's nothing to come back to. So when you do run into someone, it's amazing. So we cry happy tears. We cried happy tears when we saw a FEMA truck picking up garbage and debris on your street. So you didn't have a 20 foot wall of smelly debris. (laughs) So you cried when we were able to get mail for the first time and we had to drive out to the airport to get it. Mm -hmm. Our post office just reopened three weeks ago here on the Island and it's still a mess, but we can now get mail on the Island. When you got electricity, for the first time. And more than half the island still does not have electricity. But when you are able to flip a light switch on for the first time and see a ceiling fan turn and um, discovering wild tomato plants that are growing and seeding all over the island, they're growing on the beach even, and native plants, when you discover a turtle, how did the turtles survive? You know, they floated and here and there and everywhere. It's just, there's so many little things. And yet there are so many things that are just still hard. You know, Mm -hmm. we're, it's such a large swath for the storm and the recovery area. Everyone needs everything. So between all of the barrier islands, 90% of Fort Myers beach is gone. 80% of Sanibel was severely damaged. The mainland, the other outer islands, everybody needs electricity. Everybody needs plumbing. Everybody needs a roof. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs walls. 
and you've got the FEMA 50-50 rule. So many people can't rebuild because of the level of damage that their property sustained. Um, so it's, it's pretty heartbreaking every day. And the response from the insurance companies is lackluster. So it's, it's making it very painful. So we're all absorbing stress every day. And those that stayed here clearly have PTSD. The rest of us just had absorbed stress. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference. Um, so when you're absorbing that level of stress every day, because you can't get a permit still, you can't get an appointment for a plumber. You can't, you know, there's so many things you can't do. And so you can't do one thing without the other. Mm-hmm. So it's just very, very slow. And I just emphasize to guests who are calling and emailing and to the owners that, you know, if you were not born with a genetic marker for patients, this is a skill then it's a skill set. And I am not someone who was born with a genetic marker for patients. So I am very type A, dig in. I'm built for this kind of stuff. I can survive without electricity and water. I'm a, I'm a Girl Scout. I can do it. And I've done it. Um, and a lot of people aren't. So it's just mentally exhausting. This is mentally exhausting. And to just see a hellscape around you every day, everywhere you turn. So it's nice to go to the beach if you can get to one and just look out over the water. That looks the same. You just don't turn your back and look towards the buildings. So that's nice. I've been, uh, I've been watching some of your videos on, uh, on your Facebook page, and I'll put a link to that on the show notes. And there was one particular one. You're walking towards, uh, towards the sea. I think it's a relatively recent one. And saying exactly that, that the ocean is there. The ocean looks yeah. beautiful. But, it, you know, once again, it's, it's hard for us, for, for those of us on the outside to think, well, you know, eight months, you know, you should be back to normal. But of course, it's going to take a lot longer than that. Now, they said a year. How, how many properties are, are going to come back to you, do you think? Right now on Sanibel, there are two condominiums, two, two units that can be rented. Um, you can't get to the beach from them. The beach is right in front of them, but you can't get to the beach and they don't have an elevator. Mm-hmm. So there are two condominiums. There's part of a hotel on Sanibel. And then on Captiva, there's half of a 50% of a hotel and uh, some condos or houses mostly. So out of over 7,000 properties, there's less than 200 total. Mm-hmm. I have four or five properties that are resilient. So it was just replacing like a Tesla wall charger and a pool pump. Oh, and we're good. But I was not interested in renting to anyone other than island residents Mm -hmm. that need a place to live while they rebuild their homes. There's nothing for people to see here. Supporting island businesses are great, but there's not that much to support. You can rent some bicycles and you can go to some restaurants, but you want people here for the right reasons. I don't want them traumatized because they've got flat tires and there is no AAA service. Mm -hmm. No one's going to come rescue you. Our garage on the island is gone. So, you know, that there's no internet or that they're demolishing the house next door to you or that the house you're looking into right behind you looks like a dollhouse. The back half is sheared off. You're looking into it. And then we get the traumarazzi going on, as we call it, the people driving around taking videos of the devastation and putting it online. It's upsetting. It's, mm-hmm. it's really distressing. So in all of my posts, I've made a point. I don't show anything that's someone's home. It's like, if you're tuning in for that, you're not going to get that on my page. So, you know, we show progress and we show little victories, but it's just, everything is just challenging and slow. 
Um, I'll have the houses are coming up much faster. Condominiums are going to be next winter for some, but it'll be 18 months for others. And then those that are reopening by the fall or the winter, we have to make sure the guests manage their expectations that, you know, well, just because this unit is ready for you, that doesn't mean you're going to have an elevator. There's going to be work going on above you, below you, on either side of you, across the complex from you, behind you, at the clubhouse. There's going to be noise. So if you're okay with that, great. So it's not going to be the Sanibel you remember and the vacation that you're accustomed to. So if you can just manage your expectations a little bit, it'll be fine. It'll be absolutely fine. So normally work isn't allowed to go on during the winter months. It can only go on in the off season. So right you, now it's, you know, anything goes right now. So you've, you've got a summer coming up. Um, so it, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a, a, a summer um, that you would have expected, obviously. When would it be next summer or do you think the summer after where you will be back to something that, that resembles the previous Sanibel and Captiva? Next summer will be definitely more promising. Def- definitely more promising, provided we get through this hurricane season, which just started June 1. So um, provided we, we are unscathed this year, next summer will be a markedly different summer. But there are also a lot of properties that have been bulldozed and are gone. So mm-hmm. those are going to be two to three years uh, for those to be rebuilt. But it'll, it'll definitely, we'll be back to renting and there will be some retail shops on the island. Finally, we'll have a second fire station by then. The, the second one was destroyed by flood. Um, so things will get a little more normal. The library will be open. The historical village will be open. The Shell Museum will have reopened by then. So all the, the fun things that there are to do here will be back. But it's just, it just takes time. What keeps you going, Sharon? What keeps you motivated and driven every day? Um, This is my home. It's the only home I know. And we always used to say that, you know, people would save their money all year long to come for one week on this little barrier island. And that's a pretty special thing. And it's a really special place. And that people are cheering us on from all around the globe Mm -hmm. And sending lots of messages of goodwill and little care packages. Like, we didn't get to see you this year. And we know you love these, you know, these treats that they make, you know, for us and bring down. And so, you know, so they're sending nice little care packages. And, and you know, you just, you want everybody back. And, you know, you feed off the energy of the people that are here. And right now there's less than 500 people on this island. So it's, it's like it was when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. the island would close the first of May and everybody, everything closed restaurants and everything except for the grocery and it would reopen November one. So it really is like going back in time. But as I said, mentally it's, it's tough. So, you know, we always say there's tough runs and tough runners and I'm a tough runner and I want to get these people back here. You know, I want our community back. We want, people's livelihoods back. It's just that, you know, feel good, positive, happy place. This is a really, really special corner of the world. And uh, the sooner we get it back, you know, for everybody to enjoy, you know, all will be right in the world again. So. So what, what would you advise to, you know, for other property managers and owners in 
these areas as they are, you know, preparing for another hurricane season? Because you never know. You know, I look, think back to 2018 and, and Mexico Beach and Hurricane Michael. Um, and that, you know, that was a the complete town just, just went. They're um, still sorting through that right now, as a matter of fact, still. Yes. Yeah. Five years on. So, I mean, it's tough for anybody who has a, a company in these sorts of areas. But, of course, it, it, it is in um, wildfire areas as well. I was talking to Tom Goodwin at Mountain Laurel Chalets recently, and he was talking about the, uh, the, wild, the Gatlinburg wildfires in uh, 2017, mm-hmm. I think. And they lost nine of their own properties and just gone. And we talked in a previous episode about you having an emergency plan, your hurricane plan. And it's, you mentioned this at the very beginning of this, of this conversation about all the things you did to get people prepared. Would you do anything different once you get really up and running again? Will, thing, will, you, have any, will you make any changes to those plans that you made? We didn't account for the causeway not being accessible. Mm-hmm. So that would be plan B. Make a friend with someone who has a helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, that's a good one. I've got friends with boats. The helicopter would have been faster. Uh, so um, there's really not much different that I would have done other than, you know, those last two sets of guests of not being as gracious with my time to, to let them get out. That's really the only different thing I've updated during our downtime. Now I met with my attorney whom you've interviewed with Keith Brady, mm-hmm. who you've done a podcast with. So we took this opportunity to update our owner contracts and guest contracts and vendor contracts and to, to, to specifically cover language regarding natural disasters and the process I was able to guide a lot of our owners because we encourage them to put them in LLCs and insure them as such and not as second residences because you can get loss of use income Mm -hmm. because it's being treated as a business. So the good news is most of my owners did that. Most of my owners got paid. Therefore, I get paid. I get my commission. I was able to tell owners to review their insurance policies and look carefully that if they're part of a homeowners association or a condominium association, there's generally a clause in there that says if you're given a special assessment as a result of a natural disaster, that's a benefit that will be paid by the insurance company. And so I had owners call me saying, wow, I had no idea. I'm getting $1,000 or $5,000, which doesn't cover the $350,000 special assessment, the first assessment. <laughs> so, But it helps. It's something. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, insurance in place is everything. And if they're not going to insure and they're self-insuring that they have the means and the money to rebuild. And so I do have some owners that it does not make sense to spend $60,000 a year for flood insurance Mm -hmm. and they self-insure. They have rebuilt. Everything's fine. So they're not feeling the pinch. I've always asked my owners or prospective owners before I accept them into a program I always ask what their motivation is for buying a property. And there is no wrong reason. I've always loved it here. I want to retire here. I want to make money off this. My accountant says I need to throw off some cash and and invest in real estate. There's no wrong answer, but I need to know what the motivation is. And then the second part of my question is always, can you afford to go minimum one year and up to three years with zero rental income and not have this disrupt your marriage, your lifestyle, 401, 
529 plan, braces on your kid's teeth, any of that. Because if the answer is no, and you need the income to make this work, I'm not the agency for you. Mm -hmm. I am not the agency for you. You can, there are plenty of other agencies out here that they don't care who they're working with. And that has served me very well this go round. I have not had one owner call me to say that they're financially distressed, that they have to sell, that they can't afford it, that they're out. Everybody is, it's just, it's been wonderful. It's been absolutely wonderful. Um, So we're all humming along and I'm arranging for contractors. And, and that's the other thing I would do differently is have a separate clause in my contract regarding property management. So I've now set up a consulting side. So I've got home watch service for property inspections. Whereas if you had active rentals and and things in place, guests in place, you'd be checking properties on a regular basis. Well, this is a, a little bit of a different animal now. So I've got language covering that now that we switch and we become more of a property management home watch consulting and a project manager. So I have a separate side set up now. So my income stream, I may not have commission income steadily, but I did get commission from the loss of use for mm-hmm. my owners. And now I'm supplementing, supplementing that income by doing project management, by overseeing their projects. So I'm getting a percentage of what the project costs while they're renovating and updating. So, um, so that's really one of the only things that I would have changed that I would have already had that in place. Yeah. I think so I could pivot more quickly. I think uh, one, one of the most important things in that, that you just said there is about the business, the business use and the insurance and, and having the, the owners insure as an LLC. And because I think people will forget the owners uh, will be covered for their loss of business income which means that you, as the property manager, get your commission. And that is, is super important. And I love that you have this, this policy of selecting the owners that come to you and making sure that they meet your criteria. And it's not free for all and we'll just take anything that comes in. A lot of companies do that, but it, serve, it's, it has served you well to operate the policies that you have done. Yeah, 40 units makes it a lot easier than 200. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> makes it a lot easier right now than 200. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, but I get out there, I volunteer. Uh, that way for, you know, our mental health, we're mm-hmm. all out there because this is definitely taxing. As I said, it's, it's tough mentally and emotionally that, you know, you see your neighbors homeless and your community turned upside down. And so we get out there and, we volunteer at the wildlife hospital, painting the intern housing and clearing out the cages to rebuild them for flight raptors and on the beach doing debris cleanup and roadside and in the ditches and the swales. And, and then at our social services, our, our uh, friends in service here uh, group distributing furniture from mm-hmm. Lowe's and Home Depot and sinks and doors and food and all kinds of things. So we used to donate our rental manager association over 10,000 pounds of food a year to the food bank. Well, that's not coming to them now. So, you know, so we're asking people if you, you know, want to support local businesses, well, go buy a plant at the wildlife conservation foundation and gift it to somebody say, here's a free plan. I've just paid for it. Give it to a resident that needs plants who has no Mm -hmm. plants anymore. 
you know, go to the animal hospital, make a contribution there, go to the food bank and make a contribution of food or money so that food can be bought for the people that are living out here now that don't have any resources available to them. So that's been a big boost. It makes you feel better that you're, you're helping humans and wildlife and uh, to just improve the state of the community overall. So that's been, that's been very nice to do. And that was one of the other things um, in the early days after the hurricane, our rental manager association, we held an emergency meeting. And so all of the agencies, we all got together to just discuss, should we be splitting up properties, checking on them for each other, sending updates? Because at that point in time, you could only get to the island by boat and you had to walk mm-hmm. or ride a bike. And because I live on the island, I had a vehicle that survived. I had a second vehicle, so it was at my house. So I had a vehicle. I had nine bicycles. I had an electric bike. And then I had that golf cart. So we were able to move people around, but we, were, we met to just collectively review everything. And that's where we shared information. And I said, you know, make sure your owners check about their, their uh, insurance policies and do not cancel reservations. Talk to your accounting people, talk to whomever you need to, but whatever you do, do not cancel them. If you cancel them, your owners can't collect a loss of use benefit mm-hmm. and then you can't get a commission. So it was a very, um, very uplifting meeting and we were able to share the challenges and the state of everyone's office and did anybody need help? And we've been meeting monthly as we always did before, but we've been meeting monthly and we're still sharing updates on properties and and when agencies will be reopening and when they can move back in. And, and again, any support that anybody needs, you know, we're all there to help. Uh, it's interesting. Brooke Fouts has been running a series on LinkedIn of the, the 10 mistakes uh, that property managers have made. And he's had a, a lot of responses. But there's many of those lists include some common themes. And one of them is about, you know, people saying, I wish we'd got together with other management companies earlier because once we did, things changed. You know, mm-hmm. we suddenly realized that we're not competitors. We are all in this together. And I know that you know, from, from my experience, but it, it's certainly, you know, when it comes to a situation like you've been through, then it, it must have been just, you know, helpful on the one hand and then reassuring on the other hand to know that you, you know, all, all of you had each other's backs. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, you know, we've all been comrades. We work together. We lift each other up collectively. We've met with our mayor. We've met with our county commissioners. We've reminded them, you know, this hurricane made it very clear that this island is tourism driven. And in the absence of vacation rentals, there goes the income that the county receives, the bed tax money, the state sales tax money, the money for our beach beach renourishment the number of people who rent bicycles and go on fishing charters and go through the wildlife refuge and, you know, do all the things, you know, seats in the, in all the restaurants and, and now there's nobody here. So we're getting a lot of support from our city and from our County officials to make sure that we're all going to get back on our feet. So um, they've been really good about providing information about grants and opportunities to get additional funding for anybody that needs it to, to keep their business on track or to, to get them going once they're ready to reopen. So it's been really nice having that, that open door um, and that we're able, that we are in such a small community that we're able to reach out and get that support. And if they don't have the answers that, that they'll get them for us. So it's been really nice as a collective with all of the agencies to be able to share information and 
go to every single ribbon cutting for each business that reopens and see each other and again, hug and yeah, it's, and uh, just congratulate and cheer each other on that another business has finally opened, no matter how small. Tough, tough, so tough to go through something like this, but with those positives coming out, uh, you know, as you go through recovery, it must be that that that, that is so heartening, Sharon. This is this has been such a, a great conversation. I think, you know, as as I've said over and over again, when you're on the outside looking looking in at something you cannot envisage you cannot sort of encapsulate what you might be going through the people who are involved in it and I'd, I'd just like to thank you for sharing all this I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who are in locations that could at some point have the same sort of disaster impact them so I hope this has helped them out and uh I would like you to come back perhaps in, in a year's time and, and talk about, you know, all your guests coming back and the shells back on the beach and the shell store and museums open and um, we can have a really happy conversation. Yes. And I'd like to also thank all of our partners um, that we work with, like Point Central and Breezeway and Travel Guard, CSA, Global Generali and Realtech and Rental Network Software, just all of our partners, uh, Ascent Processing, that they were so gracious uh, to reach out and help us and suspend our accounts and suspend fees for all the agencies, all of the partners, whether you, you know, no matter, you know, Escapia, anybody, it was amazing, um, Streamline. So how helpful that is knowing that there's no income stream whatsoever mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future, that it was just a no questions asked so that our, our partners, the people that we choose to, be, to do business with reciprocated and are supporting us while we're going through this. Um, and Breezeway in particular was very helpful in allowing me to create some different checklists that, that aren't property associated, like for the hurricane closures and things mm-hmm. like that and the reopening. So, you know, our inspection process has changed with that. So, um, so they were gracious in allowing me to, to work outside the box a little bit as was, uh, Andy at touch stay as well. So they were super helpful, um, so that I was able to, to create some different, uh, processes and workflows that are outside the norm so that as we recover, we're working outside the box and, um, but all of our partners were, were super helpful and continue to be. So it's really nice. I will make a point of listing all those partners that you've mentioned yeah. uh, on the show. And they go, they go on and on for yeah. every rental agency because we, <laughs> yes. we all talked at our rental association about who, what partners were helpful. And we were surprised yeah. at a few that, that decided to put uh, money before people. Mm-hmm. And that, that's this industry for you though. Yeah. People first, then money, then things. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, and then in the case of vacation rentals, people first, then the things of the vacation rental, then yeah. the money. So take care of the first two. The money will follow. My money mother always follow. said that. Yep. Take care of the people, take care of the property. The money will follow. Sharon, thank you so much for, for joining me. I hope, I, I still hope we get to meet sometime. I'm going to talk to you in a few moments. If, if you stay by um, just about the vacation rental women's summit, because I really think you should be there. So thank you. <laughs> thank you and, and we'll talk again, hopefully in a year's time. Many thanks. Well, that was 
so interesting. Thank you so much, Sharon, for, for joining me and sharing all that. I cannot imagine going through such devastation and coming out the other side and remaining positive and still being gung-ho and going for it eight months after, even when it's clear that there's so much more work to be done. I'd love you to go to the show notes and check out some of the links that I'm putting in there. There's links to some video on, you know, what happened in the aftermath of the hurricane. There's a link to Sharon's Facebook page and, and of course the links to her vendors who supported them so much in the aftermath. That's taken up much of the hour. So I'm not going to uh, say much more than this. We are approaching our 500th episode. I'm so excited about it. Uh, Not only are we going to have that episode, but uh, we're bringing back one of our sponsors um, for another 10 weeks and, and you'll be hearing from them as well. It's a really exciting time for us, you know, just achieving that massive milestone. Uh, that episode is is going to be really special because I have a panel that is coming to share their wisdom with you about how we prepare for the next few years after, you know, the, the craziness of the last few. So I'm not going to say much more about it than that. I will be posting a little bit more in social media over the next couple of weeks and hopefully you will join and hear this great panel at that time. For now, I'd like to thank you for being with us. It's always such a pleasure and can't wait for next time. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.